Welcome to the Cross Lane Podcast, a community committed to bringing people to Jesus. So for the last few weeks, we've been talking about five. And five is a leadership principle that John Maxwell has developed that it's a biblically-based principle. But basically what it says is that successful people master their daily agendas. And they do that by identifying five activities that will contribute to your personal success. And they use the illustration of cutting down a tree. And if you go out and you whack on a tree until it's cut down, you're going to be exhausted, you're going to be tired and worn out, and the last thing you want to do is cut another tree down. So instead of doing it that way, you go out every day and you just give it five good whacks. And the next day you give it five good whacks. And you're doing it consistently, you know what you're doing, you're focused on it, and ultimately you'll have the same results. And that's the same thing with identifying five activities in your life. If you go about your day every day focusing on those five, you're going to accomplish what you set out to accomplish. And then this will lead to personal growth and maturity. It says those that will survive are those that really know what their life is all about. The verse that this comes from is Proverbs seventeen twenty four, And they use the good news translation because of the wording. An intelligent person aims at wise action, but a fool starts off in many directions. Now the key word here is wise action. It doesn't say wise goals. It doesn't say wise dreams, wise passions. It's wise action. It's doing it today, action. And so you'll never really truly know and improve your life until you do two things. And that's really what I want to focus on. The first thing is get God in your life. If God is not in your life, you need God in your life. And if he's been there and he's fallen away, you need to get him back in your life. He created you. He has the owner's manual to you. Actually, he's got the playbook to your life. We owe it to him to give everything to him through our life. And the second thing is you have to control what you're going to do every single day. So over the past three weeks, you've heard about your five. That was the first one where we talked about you need to set your five goals, your five actions for every day. And then we talked about your spiritual five, setting those five spiritual things that you need to focus on. Last week, Ryan talked about our favorite five or your relationships, the five relationships that you need to have. And today I'm going to talk about your faulty five. You can't just make a list of what you're going to do. You also have to make a list of what you're not going to do. And that's what we're going to focus on today. So it seems like here, I know for me, a lot of times someone will come up to you and say, how are you doing or, or how's your day going? And the standard response is, oh, I'm busy. And that's just our response to everything. Oh, I'm busy. And it's almost like that's become a status symbol or you know it's like I'm really cool because I'm really busy and truth be known a lot of us are too busy especially in areas that we don't need to be busy in at all not only do we need to know what needs to be done we also need to know what needs to be undone so not only do we need to know what to be done we need to be known what's left undone And so today we're going to look at an Old Testament story in the book of Judges. And during this time, I mean, 
Israel was formed, the nation of Israel was basically formed that used to be slaves in Egypt that came out. Moses brought them out of Egypt, and they settled in this area that's modern-day Israel, but to them it was called the Promised Land. They moved into the Promised Land. And when they dispersed over this land, they formed 12 tribes. And this would be similar to states, what we would be familiar with. And they were named after Jacob's sons and grandsons. And Jacob actually was later, had his name changed to Israel after he wrestled with an angel of the Lord. So they dispersed over the land, formed 12 tribes. And when God set up this new nation, he never intended for them to have a king. Because you see, he wanted to be their king. He wanted them to be so close to him that he would rule and lead his people. But, like human nature, they moved out of slavery into this promised land. Things are going great. Who needs God? We've got everything going for us here. And they forgot about God, and they removed him completely from their lives. Everything they did as though they saw fit in their own eyes. They had a, I'll do what I want to do attitude. Sound familiar? Kind of like a picture of what's going on in today's world. I'll do what I want to do. You know, the book of Judges is full of crazy and outrageous stories. Because this is what it looks like when man makes up his own thing and does his own things. It's crazy and outrageous. And they were completely unfocused. So, God ends up raising up judges. Not kings, but judges. And one of them was a woman. And this would have been very strange in their days because their culture just didn't have women leaders. But kind of to show their mismanagement, God says, I'll show you. And he puts a a woman in charge, and actually a very dynamic leader. Her name was Deborah. And so we're going to look at Deborah and kind of some things that happened here. But in chapter 4, she takes Israel to war. And she begs the people of these 12 tribes to help her. Come to war with me. And many of them refused. Actually, most of them refused. But a few of the 12 got involved. And it's kind of funny because she told those that refused, she said, I'm going to tell you, we're going to win because we have God on our side. But mark my words, this is going to go down in history that you were this big, lazy, bum of a generation, and you were disgraced by a woman. And you know what? They didn't care. It didn't change their attitude or their motivation. So they did win, just as Deborah predicted, and there's a lot more to that story, and I encourage you to read chapter 4 because it's very interesting to see how all that came about. But we're going to focus on what happens after that in chapter 5. So after all this, Deborah writes a song, and that's really what chapter 5 is, and and in that song, she's praising God and giving him all the glory for everything that's happened, but she's also complaining a little about those that didn't get involved. And there were four groups or tribes that were specifically mentioned that didn't get involved. So for a minute here, I want us to stop and think, what are reasons we don't get involved? What are reasons we don't do what we need to be doing? I want you to pay attention because we may find some similarities in our lives today of why they didn't get involved. In verse 2, it says, When the princes in Israel take the lead, when the people willingly offer themselves, praise the Lord. 
Now that when should be more like if. If the people willingly offer themselves, praise the Lord. If they get off their keister and do something with their lives. And this is true for us today. God is waiting for many of us to take the initiative and do something with our lives. You know, I'm thinking of just about here at Crosslane, and, and our goals shouldn't be focused on how many people show up on a Sunday morning. It really should be based on the four or 500 people that are here on a Sunday, that they're coming every Sunday locked in, and they're serving in ministries, and that they're involved in small groups, and they're growing and thriving. Basically, four or 500 people that are doing something that matters in Terre Haute, Indiana. That's what we should be focused on. People that are taking the lead. So Deborah's song, we're going to talk about five things that will keep us from, a, from our potential, and we have to overcome these. The first one, misuse of time. That's our number one, misuse of time. In verse 16, it reads, Why did you stay among the sheep pens to hear the whistling for the flocks? In the districts of Reuben, there was much searching of heart. So they couldn't hear the alarm of war that was being sent because they were too distracted by the bleeding of their flocks and the whistling of the shepherds. You know, society is constantly distracting us. Deborah said to the tribe of Reuben, come fight with me. And they struggled with indecision. They were too distracted by their surroundings. We all get distracted. Some of you may be distracted right this very minute by things going on in your life. You know, some of us are spending way too much time on things that were created to pass the time and amuse us, not created to consume us. Things like Facebook and television and video games. This is not what our lives are all about. I can't imagine that anyone's going to be on their deathbed. But wait, I got to send one more tweet. I don't see that happening. You know, a recent study showed that kids ages 8 to 18 are spending seven and a half hours per day with consuming media. And the kicker is they're fitting 10 hours in that seven and a half hours because they're multitasking. They're listening to their headphones while they're texting, while they're watching TV. Say some of you, but really some of us have a disease. It's called ECA-itis extracurricular activity disease. If my schedule's free, then I'm available. It shouldn't be based on your availability. It should be based on, is it a wise thing based on your goals? That's when, when you should say yes. If you don't define your time, I guarantee you somebody else will. Perhaps your family needs to go on a media fast that scare you? Media fast. Put away the gadgets for a certain time period and just enjoy each other's company. Just recently, Justin, my 12-year-old son, he had his iPod and his PlayStations taken away as a uh, form of punishment. And shortly afterwards, as you can imagine, he started walking around, I'm bored. There's nothing to do. But it was interesting because that quickly turned into, who wants to play cards? Who wants to play a board game? 
he started to realize that he didn't have to have his electronics to have fun. Plus, these actions, they were actually interactive. Other people were involved. And I'll tell you a secret. We talked. We actually talked to each other. Crazy. Some of us need to make drastic changes in the way we manage our time. And now this, you know, media fast thing, it's not normal. Some people may say you're weird for doing it. But you know what? Normal is not working. Be abnormal. Number one, misuse of time. Number two, obstacles. So the Jordan River was in the way of the Gilead tribe. And the battle was on the west side of the Jordan, and Gilead lived on the east side of the Jordan. So when Deborah said, hey, come fight, they were like, all right, we're coming. And then they come up to the river. Oh, yeah, we can't. There's a river. How many of you have obstacles in your life that are keeping you from doing things that you need to be doing? When things get in the way, you know, well, I can't help you. I had something happen to me 10 years ago, and I'm still licking my wound. And those wounds, they're real, but there comes a time that you have to call upon the name of God and can the excuses. Not let them stop you anymore. You know, for some people, it's who you hang out with that are your obstacles. For others, it's your job. Some of us are dealing with things in our past. They're all obstacles. But again, at some point, you have to call upon the name of Jesus and overcome these obstacles. We need to say, we're not going to let this hold us back any longer. In the parable of the great banquet found in Luke 14, Jesus is talking about inviting people to heaven, to the great banquet. It says, blessed is the one who eateth the feast in the kingdom of God. Can you imagine those that he invited had excuses? Jesus is inviting them to heaven, and they have excuses. The first guy, he just bought some land. He had to go look at his dirt. Good excuse? No. The other guy, he bought five ox, and he had to go try them out. The next guy, he just got married. And I've got to, you know, be married. Well, then we have kids. Our lives are crazy. We've got kids now. Well, now, as soon as the kids move out, now I will. What's become your obstacle? Philippians 4.13, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. I can do all this. Find a way to get to the other side of that river and don't let obstacles stop you. So misuse of time, obstacles. Number three, possessions. We're too distracted by our stuff. This is the tribe of Dan. This tribe was on the Mediterranean Sea, and so they were people that worked the harbors. Their trade was unloading and loading the ships that would come in and sail out. And Deborah said, why did you linger by the ships? You know, we get distracted by our jobs and making money. And then we get distracted because we spend so much time buying stuff and building stuff and playing with our stuff. We make awful career decisions that negatively affect our family just so we can have a little more. You know, it makes me think of simpler times when having the biggest house or 
for most stuff really didn't matter. And for me growing up, that's Little House on the Prairie. You know, I, I can just remember watching that and thinking, oh, how fun it would be to live in that time where they didn't have all this stuff. They just focused on family and faith and, and their work, and, and they just did what they needed to. And even for my generation, and, and I hate saying that because it makes me feel old when I refer to myself as a generation, but times were simpler when I was a kid. We played outside all day, every day. Dirt was our friend. Today, you can't even force the kids to go outside. We didn't have video games. In fact, we only had three channels on the TV. Now, we did eventually get a game, and oh, this brings back some memories. I want you to come back to this with me. That was our video game right there. remember that. Those are good times, right? Yeah. Well, you can only about 10 minutes and you're bored, but hey, it was still fun. Not like today's video games. They never end. They just go on and on and on, and they're just 10 hours later, they're still at the same place they were. It also makes me think of mission trips. I wish everyone in here could attend a mission trip to a third world country, because then you truly see people that have nothing. I mean, and I'm talking nothing. These people, they live in houses made of recycled skids. Their floors are dirt. One room. It's their bedroom and their living room. During the day, they take up the blanket, and it's the living room. During night, they put the blanket down, and it's their bedroom. Six, eight, ten, however many people live in there. Their bathroom, just outside, wherever you find a place to go. Their kitchen is a lean-to outside that has a fire in it, and that's the kitchen. They have nothing. But you know what? They're happy. They're very happy. Because they don't realize they don't have nothing because they've never had that opportunity. So it kind of tells me that things don't make us happy. Number four is pleasure. Asher, they remained on the coast. They were at the beach, sipping on pina coladas, sleeping. They were doing nothing. But yet they couldn't go. It's kind of like every year at the beginning of the year, we say, we're going to get out of debt this year. And then that first week, we go out to eat six times because we aim to satisfy the desires of our flesh. You know, the, I heard this analogy of a guy that's driving and he knows that there's a Krispy Kreme coming up. And so he prays to God, God, if the light's on, when I pass Krispy Kreme, I'll take it as a sign from heaven that I need to stop and have a donut. Now, if you're not familiar with Krispy Kreme, when that light's on, heaven is inside the building because they are making donuts that very minute. It's a warm donut coming through the glaze machine, and they're literally taking off the line and handing it to you, and it melts in your mouth. And so this guy knows that that's coming up. So he gets up, and he gets ready to pass the store, and the light's not on. But after 10 times around the block, it came on, and there was a sign from heaven that he needed to stop for a donut. You know, willpower, it's all about willpower. You don't realize how much control you have in your life until you get rid of something. Fear, number five. Now, this is going the opposite way. This is a tribe that actually, or a 
yeah, tribe that actually went to war with her, and they were the people of Zebulun. And they risked their very lives. They built up the courage to go. You know, sometimes we have to build up courage to do something. Because if everything was really easy, we'd all be doing it. The people of Zebulun took a leap of faith. When was the last time you took a leap of faith? Can you think about that? Does it come to mind? Or has there ever been a time? You know, I love roller coasters. And both my kids, or all three of them, but Jeremiah's too little, but they don't like them. Julie doesn't like roller coasters. So anytime we go to amusement park, I'm begging, come on, go on a roller coaster. I'm not going, I'm not going. Every time I try to get them to go. Now, recently, I got my oldest daughter, Jaden, to go. It was about 8 o'clock. The park was getting ready to close. I'd asked her 600 times that day if she wanted to go. Finally, she broke, and she said, I'll go. So we go on the roller coaster. We get off. She had a great time. Let's go again. I'm like, "Ah, the park's closing. It's too late. Is it going to be too late for you to say, I'm going to do this and overcome fear? Hebrews 11.6, and without faith, it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. We should all want to be known as a Zebulun, someone that risked it all. All these things that I've talked about, we have to be the ones doing it. We have to be the ones making change. But it's not just a matter of trying hard at these five things. It's not a matter of trying hard because this is church. We have God on our side. We don't have to do it alone. And if you're focused on your five, these five, God first, and then eliminate these things that keep you from him, this is what God is willing to do for you. Ezekiel 36, 25 through 27. I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. I'll give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove, remove from your heart, sorry, I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. He will sprinkle clean water on you. He will cleanse your past, a clean start, a do-over. He's going to give you a new heart. He'll remove your heart of stone. He'll change you, change your life. Real Christianity is letting God do his work in you. 
He'll put his spirit in you, and he's going to move you. I love that. He's going to move you. You'll have a brand new motivation. He'll move you to follow him. You know, I think you should write these down. Write these down. This is what he's going to do for you. He is going to cleanse your past. Fresh start, a do-over. You're one heartfelt confession away from God erasing your past. He'll forgive your wickedness and remember your sin no more. That should be the best news you've ever heard. He's willing to take care of your yesterday. He'll remove your obstacles. Second, he'll change you. And this isn't about joining a club. Church is not a club. This is an invitation to a changed life. 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone, that's you, that's me, anyone is in Christ, the new creation will come. The old is gone. The new is here. Real Christianity isn't being religious. Letting God change you. And that's available to you today. He'll fill you with the Holy Spirit, and it'll give you a new motivation. This is my favorite. He will move you to follow him. Philippians 2.13, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. I asked Kyle and the band to sing a song today that um, I think really speaks a lot to this. Phil Wilkins song, and it's called This is Amazing Grace. And a few verses in it that I really want to focus on. One, it says, who breaks the power of sin and darkness? Who breaks the power of sin and darkness? And then who leaves us breathless in awe and wonder? And then this one's a good one. Who brings chaos back into this is amazing grace. I want you to sit here and listen and focus on the words to this song.
Some of us have done this already, but we've taken some back. Today, if you're really ready to surrender all, we're going to pray that you can make that decision today. We're going to stand and sing after I pray, and, and if this is something that you want, you desire, come forward during the song to receive this gift wants you. He's waiting. Let's pray. God, we so love you. Cleanse us.
make us a new person. Fill us with your spirit. Move us. Jesus, be our Lord. We surrender all. Help us to overcome these faults that we've listed. Misuse of our time, the obstacles that we, we put in the way, our possessions, our sinful pleasure, 